Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show, where we combine spirituality and practicality to help you live a life full of joy and purpose. Today, we have a special Valentine's Day show for you. We have Nancy Bruce as our guest, and she's a gal who found love in midlife, and she's come up with a strategy to help you do the same. So if you're looking for love, or you know someone who is, you're going to want to grab a pen and paper because you're going to want to take notes on this one. Let's go see what Nancy has to say. Nancy, welcome to the show. I'm such a huge fan and I'm so delighted to have you join us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I am so delighted. I have a lot of clients who say to me, they're in their midlife and they're single, and they said to me, is there ever going to be a romantic partner for me? Is there hope for me? Am I ever going to meet my soulmate? So I'm posing that question to you. Can everybody meet their soulmate in midlife? I believe it. I believe it because here's the thing. I have gone through that journey myself, and I ask those same questions. I mean, whenever I talk about my finding love journey, I say, listen, I went through a dark night of the soul at, at a certain point. You know, I, I definitely questioned it. I was divorced in my mid-30s. And, and right after I got divorced in my mid-30s, I was ready to, to, to find love again. You know, soon afterwards, after about a year of, of kind of getting back on track emotionally and, and clearing my head, I, I wanted to be in love. I love being in love and I wanted to be married. And I honestly thought, and I think I said some, something like this to somebody I was seeing at the time, to, to my embarrassment, I said, you know, you better snatch me up quickly because, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find somebody. And 22 years later is when I found my true love. 22 years. And I dated in three different cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, Seattle. I, I put myself out there. I was not a wallflower. I was not sitting at home alone on the couch. I was, I was going on dates. I was doing It's Just Lunch in Chicago. I was doing online dating platforms in, in all three cities. And it took a while. And, and I did have those same feelings of self-doubt, of lack of confidence after a while. You know, and I always say, you can't let yourself turn into a cynic because sometimes it will take a concerted, consistent effort over the years. And you have to hold on to your belief that yes, you will find your true love. He is absolutely out there. She is absolutely out there. You will find that person. But the thing that happens is I think people deal with rejection. They deal with loss of connection. They deal with a feeling of, I'm never going to find this person. And then they give up and they turn into a cynic. And when you are cynical, all you're going to attract are other cynics. You know, love thrives in an environment of hope 
and belief and positivity. And you have to keep that energy up. And that's really the work that I like to do with people is to help them keep that mindset strong. Well, and thoughts create our reality. Yes. So I hear all the time, well, uh, there there aren't any good men in my town. There aren't any good men in my area. Well, I met my husband standing behind him in line in the Kansas City airport right before my 40th birthday. That's how I got to Alabama. Yeah. Oh. And, and people say to me, how did you get to Alabama? What, what are you doing living in Alabama? Yeah. You're not a, you don't have a Southern accent. I say, no. They say, how did you get to Alabama? I say, love. Yeah. <laughs> love. Love brought me here. How did I get to Bellingham, Washington? Love. Love brought exactly. me here. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I want to I go into techniques and strategies and stuff like that here in a minute, but I've got some other just kind of general questions for you. I have pages of questions for you, my girl. <laughs> we, we're probably going to have to have you back like on a regular basis just because oh. there's so many questions. And I'm married and I've been married for decades. So, you know, but I still have a lot of questions because I learned so much from you. And then I, I then give your teachings to my clients and send them to you. Nancy's your girl. If you're looking oh. for love, Nancy's your girl, you guys. I mean, trust me on this. So I'm a big what, believer. What was the, is if was there one thing that led you to have a desire to have a husband and then come up with a strategy to, to get one, to, to find your true love? Was there mm-hmm. like a moment, an aha moment or a light bulb moment? Well, you know, it's interesting. I I remember talking to someone about about my love story, and this was years ago when I when I first started kind of searching for love. And I remember saying, "Oh gosh, am I ever going to find someone?" And this was in the beginning of my journey, by the way. This was right when I started because there is always that question mark. You know, it's not it's not a simple formula of A plus B equals C. You're going to find your mate and this is when you're going to find them and this is what's going to happen. There is a bit of mystery around finding love, no matter what your age. And I remember talking to this friend and saying, oh, you know, is it going to happen for me? And she said something really smart and I, and I kept these words close to my heart. She said, you know, relationships are important to you. I can see that about you. Relationships are important to you, Nancy. Truer words could not be spoken. I have two children who I absolutely adore. adore. They are the loves of my life. I have friendships that span 30, 40, 50 years. I am close with my mother and father. I, I, you know, I have people in my life who I love and cherish and hold dear. And she said, relationships are important to you. And that's how I know you're going to find someone. And because you, you want that. And, and these are, this is a priority for you. P- being in a loving relationship is a priority. And I really needed to hear that. And I needed to say those words to myself. And I have said them to myself repeatedly over the years when it seemed like, oh, I'm not going to find anyone. There's no one out there. Or the same story that some of your, your clients and your followers say. There's no, there aren't any good guys in my area or men my age want younger women. There are a lot of stories we can tell ourselves. But I, I knew and I, and I reminded myself that relationships are important to me. And this relationship, this romantic relationship a relationship with a husband, with a partner, with a mate. This was a missing piece in my life. And I was really honest about that with myself. For a while, I would, I would try to turn a blind eye to it and say, my life is great. I've got these kids. I've got this career. I've got these friendships. And all of that was true. 
But when I got really honest with myself and looked myself in the mirror and said, sure, you have a beautiful life and you are a very happy person. However, there is a missing piece, Nancy. Relationships are important to you. And this relationship, this one that is absent and has been absent for a while, it's important to you. And it's going to continue to be an absence until you fill it. And I feel like, you know, I'm a straight shooter. And I, and I talk honestly to others and I speak honestly to myself as well. And I had to remind myself of that repeatedly when I felt like giving up, when I felt like there it wasn't going to happen. I reminded myself what a priority this really is for me and that the other side of this, finding that true love, there was going to be a whole wellspring of happiness that I haven't tapped into yet. And it's absolutely true. I can tell you, and that's that's why I, I love to talk about this. And that's why I have a podcast. That's why I work with clients. That's why I wanted to be on your show. Because I love to talk about this. Because the truth is, I took that journey for 22 years. And then I found myself on the other side of it with exactly the relationship I wanted. And even a different relationship that I could have imagined. We can talk about that later too. But yes, the answer is yes exactly what I thought. There was going to be this wellspring of happiness and joy and love. And yeah, yes, it's here. So I, I, I totally believe in it for everybody else. And in answer to your question, that, that aha moment happened to me many years before David and I met, my husband, David, many, many years before. At the beginning of my journey, that was my aha moment. And I just kept those words close to my heart the whole time, the whole time. I never let myself forget it. The two times that you said you're experiencing the happiness and joy, it's it sounds to me like it's even better than what you'd envisioned. Every time you said that, Nance, I had full body goosebumps, which is validation from spirit going, uh-huh, she's uh-huh. on it. That's true. Both yes. times. It was just like, oh. so speaking of spirit, was there a spiritual component to your journey? Did you make a wish list, a vision board? Did you chant affirmations? What did you do from a spiritual side to bring all of the different stars so that they'd align so you could meet your husband? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, I feel like I have been on a spiritual journey for, for many, many years. I mean, I think that we're all on a spiritual journey, whether we know it or not. Um, and I think that I became aware of my spiritual journey. Let's say it that way. I became aware of it um, several years ago and before I met David. And, and when I was on this quest, really on this, on this journey, this quest to find true love, and I did tap into my spirituality and my, my belief that there is something beyond the veil there are some cooperative forces that are helping me. And I really decided to, hey, let's pull out all the stop. Let's, let's stop. Let's try everything. Let me talk to and let me, let me convene with these, these helpers on the other side. Are there forces that are conspiring for my happiness? Yes, I believe that there are. I believe that that is true for all of us. And so I decided to really tap into conversations about that and I, I met with spiritual teachers. I met with Sonia Choquette, who's a spiritual teacher and mentor of mine. I, was, I met with um, Martha Beck. I met with a variety of, of, of teachers, healers, people who I wanted to have this conversation with because I didn't know 
I didn't know everything that I needed to know. I, I, I wanted to turn up the volume on my own spiritual awareness so that I could use my spiritual awareness as a tool to find happiness and love and fulfillment, which I think is one of the, one of the greatest reasons to, to be in touch with your spirituality, because we are here, I think, to find joy and to, here's the truth. Here, here's what I really think. I really think that we are here to love each other. I think that is the reason we're here. It's not to buy houses and cars and to eat and sleep. We're here to love each other. And we we love each other imperfectly. That is absolutely true. But even in, in those imperfections, there's, there's so much beauty. And I think that when you open yourself up to, to really wanting that true fulfillment of love in your life, that is a spiritual quest in and of itself. I think that most people who find true, lasting, deep love know that there's a spiritual element to that. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that whether or not we say it to ourselves out loud, um, I think that there's a knowing, there's an inner wisdom there, there's an intuition. You know, and, and when you meet somebody who you would call your soulmate or your, or your true love, isn't there an intuitive nod in each other's direction? I mean, David Bruce and I, my husband David Bruce and I, don't really have that much in common on paper. You know, he's a former professional hockey player from Canada, and, you know, and I'm, and I'm a Midwestern girl. And, um, and I, on paper, it seems like, why did these two meet and why do they fall in love? But the, the intuitive knowing that we had for each other, I mean, I think that that was divinely created. I do. I agree a hundred percent. And, you know, for me, standing behind Tim, my husband, his back was to me standing in line. I was in Kansas City less than 24 hours. And I had this desire to put my arms around him and start hugging on him from behind. And I hadn't even seen his face yet. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, Ryan, you're just tired. Go home and go to bed. <laughs> then he turned around and I thought, oh, he's handsome too. And we were flying on Southwest. So he said, well, why don't we sit together on the plane? And we were just like, the whole way on the plane. And uh, I got off in Nashville and he got off in Birmingham and and we exchanged cards. And he said, can I take you out to dinner sometime? And I said, sure. And uh, he called me at eight o'clock the next morning and then the rest is history. The rest is and history. Moved to Birmingham a year later and, and got married. I think too, on this spiritual quest too, that sometimes, and I hear this from a lot of clients and you may too, I'd love to hear your take on this they really don't feel lovable. They feel like, oh, I got it. I can't look for a maid until I lose 30 or 40 or 50 pounds. Mm. I've got to get my teeth whitened. I've got to, you know, do whatever. And, and it's, it's part of their journey is learning to know that they are lovable. Have you, oh, I know you run into that. You have to run into that. Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, and we've, I think we've all, we all understand that feeling, whether or not we felt it for ourselves, we understand that feeling, you know, and I, I definitely have felt in my life, well, as, as soon as I, you know, fill in the blank, then I'll find right. someone. As soon as I get to this part of my career, or as soon as my kids get a little older, or as soon as I lose 20 pounds, or as soon as I uh, figure out this, or as soon as I write my first book, you know, as if you have to have a stack of accomplishments to find true love. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely nothing. Exactly who you are and where you are in your life right this minute. You are lovable. You deserve love and happiness simply because you are. You are here. 
That's the only criteria you need to deserve love and to deserve happiness and to give love and give happiness because that's the other part of the equation. It's not just about the receiving of love. It's about the joy that you feel in giving love, the joy that you feel in loving someone. You don't have to be a certain size of genes to love someone, right? You don't have to be, you don't have to have certain a checklist of accomplishments in your life to love the people in your life. You love them just because you are a loving being and they are people you love. The same is true for romantic love. I do think that people, especially women, I think it really tripped up by this and they feel that they have to, they have to be in a certain package in their own body or have a certain lifestyle to be attractive to men. And in, in my experience, that is absolutely not true. Really, the people that you will attract if, if, if you are swimming in those pools are very superficial people. Is that what you want? No. You want someone who's going to love you for who you are, for your sense of humor, for the way your mind works, for your compassion, for your, the way you laugh, for the way that you um, just move around in your body, move around the house. I mean, my husband, even the things that I would consider not lovable, even to this day, things like, you know, if I get a little grumpy about something, I honestly can tell you that David thinks it's funny and endearing. He will look at me and just start laughing and just like come over and give me a hug. So true love is being loved for all the parts of yourself, even the parts that you might even consider your shadows. Those parts are still something that your true love will love. And, you know, believe in that. I, honestly, don't. And, and, and by the way, if you're looking for love in the middle of life, here's what I say. TikTok, TikTok. Time is a wasting. Do not wait to lose 20 pounds to go on a dating site, yeah. please. You don't, you know, you don't waste time with that kind of stuff. Real, really and truly find your joy and your joy is, is out there waiting for you. And, and as soon as you know that and start moving in that direction, it's going to happen. Well, and the, on the TikTok comment too, my mother died four years before my father. <laughs> and funny story, when my mom died, oh, a few months later, my dad said, oh, I got this card, this beautiful card. He's going on and on and on from this gal who was in your mom's class. They went to this all-girls Catholic high school at the academy. You know, this woman, I knew her, her name was Elizabeth. And he's going on and on about this card. And I said, oh, and I'm thinking, is she a poet? What's the deal here? And I said, well, dad, what did she say? And he said, well, she said, so sorry. <laughs> I said, that was it. You're looking <laughs> for something there, buddy. And so long story short, they got engaged in pretty short order. And my siblings went nuts over it. And they thought he should wait a year and all this other stuff. And I said, for what? He's 75 years old. Right. Why does he have to wait for? They were married 50 some years. I mean, this is divine intervention that this woman has shown up there. She's going to prolong his life. And she oh. did. Yeah. So even, not just midlife. I mean, after midlife, too, in his case, it was the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. There's no there's no expiration date on our hearts. Right. We all we want love at every stage in our life. And midlife, later years, who cares? Right. Who cares how old you are? It does not matter. What matters is your happiness. And yes, this woman that you're describing for your father probably did extend his life and oh, she, she made it happy. 
Yeah. She, he, so he had happy years of companionship and love and laughter and, and, you know, comfort. And so what a gift, what exactly. a gift. And that's, and that's absolutely right. There is no such thing as too late or too old when it comes to love. No such thing. I agree. Do you believe meeting David, your husband, was a destiny thing or a chance thing or a calculated thing or all of the above? Well, I would, I mean, listen, I do think it was my destiny to to meet and fall in love and marry David Bruce and, and nothing could make me happy, happier than that. But it is, it's what I do also believe it is that you know, actions have to be backed up by some kind of strategy. You do have to have a plan in place. You know, I'm a big believer in meditation and prayer and thoughtfulness and mindfulness. But as I tell people, you are not going to meditate yourself into a romantic relationship. At some point, you got to get off the couch. You really do. And I, I, I am also a big believer in mindset. And I, and I think that having the right mindset, believing in love, believing that you deserve to be loved and that you are lovable, um, imagining and envisioning what this relationship will look like in the middle of life, you know, really putting all the power of your belief and your thoughts into, into, into motion, to creating a solid mindset, really important first step. Then it has to be backed up by some planning and some action. And so, yes, I, I do think that there was a strategy involved in, in meeting David. And at the, at the foundation of that strategy was I simply never gave up. I did not give up. I didn't give up, Julie. I mean, I dated for 22 years. And when I say I dated for 22 years, I mean it. I mean, I was out there on the front lines. I was in the field going on dates. And I just believed that I would find someone and I kept at it. And when I moved to Seattle, I, you know, I had this moment where I had, um, I had, I had gone back to Cleveland right before I moved to Seattle from Los Angeles. I went back to Cleveland to see my folks, see my mom and dad. And when I was in Cleveland, I, I'm, I'm from a small town in Independence, Ohio, and I ran into an old flame, an old flame from high school. And he and I had this tumultuous, what I thought was the true love story of my life. And it lasted three months and completely flamed out because he was not the right man for me. But he was the guy that I had dreamed of all along, all these years. You know, he was tall, dark, and handsome. And he was the, you know, the, 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 most popular kid in class. And he had the great sense of humor and all my girlfriends went to prom and homecoming with him. And he never laid eyes on me, not once, all through middle school and high school. So he was the template of the man that I wanted. And then lo and behold, here I am in my fifties and I'm home for a weekend and I run into him and he's sweeping me off my feet. And we have this amazing, amazing affair for three, three months. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is my love story. And what a great ending. What a great happy ending. The, the, the guy that she fell in love with when she was in fourth grade, and that ends up being her, her true love story. That was terrific. Well, as I said, it completely flamed out. And I was in Seattle. And if it, I'll tell you that the, the wind was out of my sails at that point. I was just oh, exhausted. I've been dating forever. I was living in a new city. The old flame turned out to be not the guy for me at all. We had broken up and I sat on the couch and I, I said to myself, you know, if you, if you want a different love story, you have got to look for a different kind of man. And lo and behold, that was the very 
evening that I had a date set up down the street because I had forced myself to go back on a couple of dating apps and I was on Hinge, which is a dating app that I really liked. And I forced myself to go on it. I had made a date and I was regretting the date because I wasn't in the mood and I didn't want to go. And I was sad about the old flame and I was feeling defeated. And, and I said to myself, you've got you've to look for a different kind of man, Nancy, and you cannot give up. You can't give up on love. If there's one thing you believe in, it's love. So I went into my bedroom, I put on my dating uniform, um, which was black on black on black. And I put some lipstick on and fluffed my hair out and I walked down the street. And even in that, in that, with a pit in my stomach, in that, in that dark moment that I was having, I put a smile on my face and I said, you're going to believe in love and you're going to look for a different kind of man. And I walked into this Italian restaurant called Mama Molina's in Seattle and there sat David Bruce. And so that, that is what I want people to hear this story because I get it. I understand when it feels like you're not going to find someone, when it feels overwhelming, when you feel like you cannot go to another coffee shop or bar or restaurant and meet another stranger and make small talk. You can't do it. Here's what I'm telling you. Yes, you can. And you have to. You have to believe in love. And maybe it's not going to be a dating app for you. Maybe it's going to be you're going to join a local book club. You're going to go on a cruise. You're going to get involved in other ways in your community. You're going to tell every single person that you know that you're looking for love and please fix me up with someone. You know, maybe it's not, it doesn't have to be one way. It doesn't have to be exactly the way that I did it. But you asked me, was it backed up by strategy or was it just your destiny? Here's my answer, both. Love was my destiny because I think love is everyone's destiny because I think that that's why we're here, to love each other. But yes, it was backed up by strategy and action and dating uniforms and hinge and getting myself off the couch even when I didn't want to. So strategy plays an important role, especially in the middle of life, especially now, because sometimes, you know, it's easy to not meet anybody for a few days. I mean, I, I was just snowed in to my house for like the half the week. I didn't see a soul. So I think it's easy to hibernate and isolate and you have to force yourself to get out there. Yeah, I think it takes golden ovary courage. You know, guys have brass balls, girls have golden ovaries. And sometimes it just comes down to the courage to do that. I was a sorority advisor at the University of Alabama for a dozen years and 450 girls in the chapter. So lots of drama. You know, oh, Miss Julie, because we're in the South, right? Oh, Miss Julie, my boyfriend broke up with me. You know, the tears, the hugs, yeah. the whole nine yards. And the one thing that I told every one of them is... I want you to remember one four-letter word. And they'd, I'd get their attention and, and I'd say, are you ready? And they'd say, yeah. And I'd say, next, who's next? <laughs> yeah. Next. And even now to this day, Nancy, I'm still in touch with a lot of them. They're married and they have babies and all of that. And, and they say, we can hear you in our head, not just about love, but just about life in general. I can hear you in my head saying, next, remember that four-letter word, next. Yep. And that's what you did. And yeah. good for you. Yeah, you yeah. got to do it. Next is right. Next is, that's great. That's a, that is a great line. I like that. I'm going to use that because that's really smart. Yeah. Because you can't let yourself get mired in defeat. Like, oh, this one thing didn't work out. Yeah, it did it. It opened the door for the next thing. You know, and honestly, I would say that the old flame um, and how that relationship just kind of imploded really set me up 
for success with David because it, it shook me out of a rut. And it said, look for something different. And guess what? David Bruce is different than any of the men I've ever dated in my whole life. He's got a quieter energy. He's got a quieter vibe than what I'm used to. You know, I'm a big talker and he's, he's not so much, but you know, he's, he's a, we had a beautiful, um, calm, very interesting first meeting. And if I had been in a different mindset, I might've passed him over. I might've said, eh, you know, he doesn't talk enough or, you know, he's not, not what I'm looking for. Or here was a big one for me. He's not tall enough, you know, because I was, I had this block about height because I'm very tall and I had a block. I thought, oh, I have to date somebody who's over six two. Well, guess what? He's not. And I couldn't have cared less because I said to myself, look for something different. You got to bust free of that template and look for something new. And that's what I tell the people, the women that I work with right now all the time. You know, you, you, boundaries are healthy. We all have boundaries, you know, things that we don't want for sure. But we also have blocks. And if you're in the middle of life, chances are you got a few of them. And you got to be honest with yourself. And, you know, imagine dating without that block and how that would feel and how many men you might meet and really like if you removed that block. So, yeah, I mean, next is a good one though. Next is great. Next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that one. The other, the other thing too, as I'm listening to this story with you is the universe is always conspiring to do us good. I had a woman on the show named Perdita Finn and, and I love that you were talking to your angels and your deceased loved ones and your saints and whomever and going, hey guys, I need some help here. And that's what Perdita says. She says, every morning she says her prayers before she and her husband get out of bed. And then she assigns a to-do list to all her deceased loved ones and her angels and her saints and all of them. And she said 100% of the time, it happens. Whatever I request, I always get. And she says, it may not materialize in a way that I've envisioned originally, to your point. You know, you wanted somebody that was tall and gregarious and all of that. But you get what you want. And sometimes it's way better than what we've envisioned. Furthermore, the way that things unfold, there's no time in the spirit world, time's human creation. So all of these pieces of the puzzle were being moved into place in order for you to meet David at the exact perfect time in your life based on where you were emotionally, based on where your kids were, based on where you were from a professional standpoint. Same with me, with Tim. All of the pieces of the puzzle lined up. My son was seven. You know, moving him was a big deal. There was a school that he went to, a private Catholic school run by an order of nuns in Nashville. They teach in like 60 schools around the world. They had one other campus that they owned. It was in Birmingham, Alabama. They were full. They made a space for him mm. going into the third grade. The principal sister, Mary George, told me, she goes, I've never had anybody fill out an application and all five references were one of our sisters. I said, well, you know, that's just how it works. <laughs> we, we found a house to rent. We found a lot that we bought. We found a builder. My house went on the market. It sold in three days for the asking price. It was like ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And all of those different pieces of the puzzle all lined up. And that's what was happening with you. you. We just can't see it when it's going on. And to your point, I believe 
the fact that you didn't give up is how you were able to access the exact right time because all those pieces of the puzzle had been moved mm-hmm. into the proper place. Yeah, you know, this uh, what you're saying is so true and and it brings to mind a quote, you can't have a happy ending to an unhappy journey. So when you are if if you are listening to this and you are on a journey to find love and you are, you know, in the middle of life, let's say, um you can't have an unhappy you can't have a happy ending to an unhappy journey. So believe, like Julia is saying, that all the pieces are slowly but surely moving in the right direction and and trust in that. And then let the belief of that, let the knowing lift your spirits so that you can have a happy journey while you're at it. You know, if you have, if you're, if you're trying to struggle your way through this, and if you're filled with dread and depression and self-doubt, there's no way for you to find the joy of love. You know, you're not going to have that happy outcome if you're miserable along the way. And, you know, it, and, and one great way to become happy about it is to, is to trust, is to trust that pieces are falling in, in, the, in place as, as you're saying they do, like the pieces of a puzzle. Very much the same thing was true for me. I was at a point in my life where my kids were grown and I was living in a part of the world where I was going to meet David Bruce, who lives in Bellingham, Washington. I've never even heard of Bellingham before I came here to meet, to see him once. Yeah, I had never even heard of it. Um, I thought it was a neighborhood in Seattle. That is a true story. I said, how long did it take you to drive here? He said, about an hour and a half. And I'm like, what? I thought I thought you lived in Seattle. He goes, no, I told you Bellingham. I thought that was a neighborhood. I did not know. But, you know, so here I was in Seattle and I was I was in Seattle because I wanted to be closer to my son who was working in Whidbey Island. He's a, he's a naval officer. I had grown children, grown and out of the house. So I could uh, move to Bellingham when the time when David asked me to marry him and he said, will you move to Bellingham? The answer was really simple. Yes, it was just me, right? I had a career as a freelancer that made it very, very easy for me to move. I wasn't tied down to a job anywhere. None of these things were true 10 years prior, right? right? So, you know, and and I am just glad, I'm glad looking back over my life that even though I, I talk and I, and I laugh about the 22 years of dating and I tell funny stories about it, I was not miserable. I was not miserable. I was having a good time with it. I was meeting interesting people. I was trying. I had my own back. I was out there trying to find love. I wasn't crying myself to sleep every night. I wasn't miserable or self-doubting about it. Um, and I'm glad. Because it all worked out. I'm extremely blissed out, happily married right now. And I'm glad that I don't have to look back and regret two decades of misery. Right. So if you're listening to this, believe the pieces are coming together and enjoy the journey. Enjoy. That is the key to success. Find the joy in the journey. Have you ever heard of Cozy Earth Bedding? It's your ultimate luxury escape. Cozy Earth sheets are temperature regulating and incredibly soft, and they even have a 10-year warranty. They're made from organic bamboo and silk, are hypoallergenic, and even antimicrobial. Cozy Earth sheets are so amazing, they've been on Oprah's favorite things list for five years in a row, and I have them on my bed right now. So, if you're ready to elevate your sleep, Cozy Earth has a special offer just for my listeners. Go to CozyEarth.com and use the code AskJulie for a 35% discount. 
That's C-O-Z-Y-Earth.com and use code ASKJULIE for a 35% discount. Upgrade your sleep with Cozy Earth Bedding. I love them and so will you. Well, and to your point, not just with this, but with everything, we attract what we think about. So yes. if you're miserable, you're going to attract somebody who's miserable. It's just how our reality works. So fake it till you make it. Put a smile on your face and that's going to make you feel better and just go and, you know, and meet whoever it is. All right. So let's get into some some strategy here. You're a strategy girl. That's one of the things I, I most admire about you because being a, a strategist in the business space, I can see how you've parlayed that those skill sets into this. And this is really what matters. You know, you can always get another job. You can always have another career. But how do you how do you parlay that strategic planning into have, living a life of joy? Right. And and I, I've watched you do it. And it's been just so fun to watch it unfold. First of all, let's talk about matchmaking. I always think of matchmaker, matchmaker, make me, make a, me match. a match. Yes. Find me a find from Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. It's, I, in preparing for this chat with you today, I looked it up. It goes back like pre-Middle um, Ages. It, I, what I found was it was very popular in the Netherlands, China, India, Korea, and Thailand, Russian and European priests and rabbis, Fiddler on the Roof. That's where that yep. story comes from acted as matchmakers way before the Middle Ages. And I'm wondering, are online dating services the 21st century equivalent of matchmakers that that have been in place probably since the beginning of time? Uh, yes. I mean, and so here, here's one note that I want to say about matchmakers, and, because I have worked with matchmakers in the past um, of varying degrees, right? Like personal, one-on-one, highly expensive matchmakers, and also... Uh, organizations like It's Just Lunch, which is a which is an organization that I worked with in Chicago that acts as a matchmaker. They they take your profile, they have a pool of of uh, possible matches for you, and they actually assign you. They they say, hey, we think that you're going to get along with this person, and and you are obligated to the extent that you know, hey, we're all in this, we're participating. You know, we've all paid our money, so I'm going to do it. You're obligated to meet that person in person, so not just review their profile online and say yes or no. I think there's a real power in that. And and I think it's really interesting that you bring up the history of matchmaking because it goes to show you two things. Number one, how important community is when it comes to finding love. You, You know, we are meant to be tribal. We are meant to be part of a community. And back in the olden days, you know, the, the people, the elders in the community would be in charge of finding love, finding matches for the younger members of the community. And you trusted them because they had your best interests at heart and they knew everybody and they knew how the community worked. And they said, this, you're going to be a great match with this one and you're going to be a great match, match with that one. And I think it worked because of, because of that reason because there was such a sense of belonging and community and, and everybody wants the best for, for all of us. And, and love is so important, which I think is the, the second reason that matchmaking has such a rich history, because we all inherently, intuitively understand the importance of love, of being in love, of having love in our lives, of having beautiful support system that, that love creates around you. 
So I think it's interesting. Ma- matchmaking is is very much, I think, at the core. Even if you've never worked with a matchmaker before, I think that you kind of inherently understand why that is such a great idea, why that can be such a great support network in your life. So yes, not everybody can actually work with matchmakers in this day and age. Number one, a lot, a lot of matchmaking firms are super elite and super expensive. Let's just be honest, they really are. Um, and not, you might not live in a place that has a matchmaker available to you. And it just isn't the right cup of tea for everybody, right? Online dating, I think, is a way, it, it, it's, it's not really a replacement for matchmaking, but it is a replacement for community, right? Like you, some people are really nervous about, about dating online. And I really try to assuage their fears because there really isn't anything to be af- afraid of. Yes, you need to be safe. You need to always make safe choices, but that's true also if you go out to a nightclub and meet people, right? You always want to protect your safety first and protect your privacy. But the beautiful thing about, about online dating platforms, I think, is that it opens up a world of people that you would absolutely have no chance of interacting with without that platform. There is no chance that I would have run into David Bruce we lived 90 miles apart and there it, it and, and we had very very different lifestyles so yes listen is it possible that you might meet someone well like like you did in line at the airport i love that story and maybe you're going to meet somebody i always use the example of picking out avocados at whole foods might that happen sure it might but let's stack the stack the decks in your favor right let's try other strategies in addition to joining groups or always having a, you know, an open sort of receptive energy about you when you travel. You know, obviously, Julie, you were a very open, receptive person. You were standing in line at the airport. You didn't have your nose buried in your phone. You were looking around. You noticed this guy and lo and behold, you guys spent the rest of the time talking to each other. That's because you bring a certain openness and a certain energy level to your life. And that's beautiful. Do that. If you're out there looking for love, yes, have that energy. Join groups go out into the world. But also the online dating community can be a rich resource for you. And it's not scary and it's not dreadful and it's not icky. It isn't. I know lots and lots and lots of people who have their true love stories from Match.com and Hinge and eHarmony and OkCupid and all of them. I think it is it's something at least to consider. Let me put it that way. If you are on the fence about it, just consider it, consider doing it and have fun with it. Have some fun with it. Make it playful. Make it like a, a fun little hobby, a fun little project that, you, that, that you're going to embark on. Don't put the weight of the world on your shoulders. I have to find someone. Don't put time limits on yourself. Have some fun with it. But yeah, I think that, I think that dating platforms are fantastic and I think they're a great way to meet people. I do too. And I know lots of people that have met their true love through that through them as well are some dating apps more well suited to a certain personality type than others have you found or are they all pretty much the same no they're not all the same at all and absolutely they're suited to different personality types and different age groups too and and and, and the key is to try to try a few out most dating apps are not expensive and you can always you know start at the lower level and work your way up but we're, they're not very expensive you can't try a few at a time Here's what I'll tell you. For example, here's why I liked Hinge. Hinge was great for me and great for David because it was just a few questions 
right? And the, and the questions and answers answers were meant to be kind of fun and playful and quippy. Like, you know, I didn't have, I, I personally, even though I, I'm a huge reader and a writer, I don't particularly love reading really lengthy dating profiles. Like, you know, I would rather give me the highlights, give me a few quippy little funny asides or tell me what you're looking for. What I want to know is that when I was back in the dating game, what I really wanted to know is that you're looking for something serious because I was looking for a committed monogamous relationship and I made it very clear that's what I wanted. I wasn't looking for a hookup. I wasn't looking for, you know, none of that nonsense for me. I was clear about what I wanted. And so I wanted to know that that person was clear too. And then I was looking for, you know, a little bit of let your personality shine through. And that's it. So I'm not a person that wants to read four paragraphs of someone's dating profile. And that's why I liked Hinge because there were just a couple questions and a couple, and you know, funny answers. And, and, and it's meant to be kind of playful and funny. And then pictures, photographs. So it's very much a swipe left, swipe left, right kind of a dating app. That worked for me. And for David too, because he had the same vibe. He had the same feeling. He just wanted to you know, read a couple of things and see a few pictures and, and make a choice. So that might be right for you, right? If you're, if you're looking to approach dating in kind of a, a more lighthearted, more playful way. Some people really like an extensive profile and an extensive questionnaire. So for example, Match.com or eHarmony. I remember when I was on eHarmony in Chicago. Oh my goodness. I think it took me three hours to answer their questionnaire. <laughs> I mean, there were so many questions. And it was like, well, am I joining the FBI? What is this a background search? Like it just felt extensive. And that wasn't for me, you know, but people, some people love it. And some people, for some people, they want to know that that person has been really thoroughly vetted, right? So it does, it comes with a bit of trial and error. You got to go out there and, and choose a few, read up about them and choose a few and just give it a try. If it doesn't work for you, go to the next one. Like you said before, next go to the next one. You know, you're not signing your name in blood to any of these things. This is not like a lifelong commitment. You can try it out for a few months and if it doesn't work, try something else. Exactly. I assume that your methodologies work for same-sex relationships as well as heterosex relationships, the LGBTQ, all of that. You know, it's, it's all the same thing. You're all looking for love, whether it's same-sex or whatever. Is that a correct assumption? Well, here's here's my only caveat. Because I have never been in a same-sex relationship, nor have I ever looked for a same-sex connection, I don't know that personally. Like, I can't give you a personal point of view on that. And I would not want to misspeak. But I mean, I do think I'm a big believer that love is love across the board. Mm-hmm. And that when you are honest about who you are and honest about what you're looking for, chances are really good that you will find it. When you completely share about who you know who you are in a really honest and transparent way and you look for love, it, you will find that love. And so, yes, I am assuming it is the same. It's actually something that I would like to learn more about. You know, in my work, um, my Finding Love uh, company and in my work with people, I am really curious to, to start working with same-sex couples because I would love to, you know, uh, give them the benefit of of anything that I could and learn from them about if, you know, it, is it different? Is it different for same-sex couples? I don't know. All I can tell you is when I'm working with a client, I'm getting what I call divine downloads. I get information from spirit into my head. And 
two clients in particular were looking for a same-sex relationship and I sent them to your, that thought came into my head to send them to your stuff. So as far as I'm concerned, what I'm getting from Spirit is, yeah, it works with all of them. Oh, good. Your, your methodologies. Good. Oh, that makes so me happy. A, there's a plug from me and from, you know, the spirits and beyond. Thank you. Because when I, when I'm talking with somebody, whether it's, I say I'm a buffet of psychicness. So we can talk to your dead grandma. We can talk to your alive cat. We can tell how close to death somebody is. I can see if you got a broken bone. I mean, whatever. And the whole time I'm scanning somebody, I'm getting information downloaded into my head from spirit. And two occasions that come to mind, I got downloaded to send them to your site and your show. I love show. that. So, I'm so yeah. honored by that. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. I had a client one time, just as an aside, who I always ask, how did we get introduced? And he said, well, my grandmother told me about you. And I said, oh, who's your grandmother? Do I know her? And he said, no, you don't know her. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, uh, she's been dead for 25 years. <laughs> I said, well, how did she, you know, how did you get information about me from your grandmother? And he said, she appeared to me in a dream and she said, you need to, you need to talk with Julie Ryan. And he said, I thought, who in the hell is Julie Ryan? And he said, he looked me up online and that's how he got to me. And, and I said, I love it when, you know, the spirits and beyond are doing my marketing for me. It's great. So they're doing that. your marketing for you. Too, I girl. love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. spirits. Absolutely. How much effort and energy is required to find our life partner? Does that mean we got to go out on dates every night of the week? How much time do we allot to this adventure of finding our, our love match? That is such an important question. And that is something that comes in the planning phase. So I, I, I walk people through three phases, mindset, planning, and action. And so the planning phase is very important for exactly... The, the question that you're asking. When you're in the middle of life, at any stage of life, you're busy. You've got things going on. You have a life to live. You've got people in your life. You have a career. You have you know interests and friendship groups and everything else. And you have to be really clear about how much time you are going to devote to this. And I do say, let's treat this like a project, finding love, because it is. It is not just something you're going to necessarily stumble into you have to treat it like a project and treat it, a project has strategy. And let's think about how much time you're going to devote to this. And the, then the, the goal here is, is simple and it's this, make sure that it works for you. So one of the things that happens a lot when you're dating is that you burn out. You know, you go on a bunch of dates, you overbook yourself you're, you're out for, you know, coffee with someone and then drinks the same day and, you know, three days in a row or all weekend long and you burn out. And if it's, if it's missed connection after missed connection, in other words, if you're meeting people that you don't have a spark with, it's not a good match and you're, and they're stacked up and they're, and they're, they're, it feels overwhelming. Chances are you're going to feel burnt out. You're going to feel like it's, this is too much effort. You don't like it. You're not enjoying it. It's taking up too much time. I don't want to do it anymore. And it's really easy to fall into that negative story. So before you even go on date number one, look at your, look at your week, look at your months. Say, how many dates do I want to go on this week? How many, what, what are the best days for me? Is it Wednesday and Monday? Or is it Friday and Sunday? Like, what are the best days? It might not be weekends. Weekends might be your, your me time. 
It might be, you know, a Saturday. For me, Saturdays are my special time. I don't do anything on Saturdays that I don't want to do. I don't even, (laughs) really, I don't answer emails. I don't want to do anything. Saturdays are my one day of complete and total rest. I unplug. If that's true for you, if you have one day of the week that is really sacred to you, don't start making dates with strangers on that day. Right. Be honest with yourself. What is the schedule that you would like to adhere to when it comes to dating? Right? And another another really important part of this is make sure that you do go on multiple dates at the same time. In other words, don't date one person and then decide this is the person. This is the, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket because what starts happening is your mind tricks you and you think, you, you start thinking, this is my person. I have already decided. You get really, really ahead of yourself and you don't have anything else to compare this person against. You don't have, you're not going on a date with somebody else the next day or the next week. You're just focused on one person. And then you start telling yourself, okay, I'm in a relationship. You can fall really quickly into girlfriend or boyfriend mode before it's really time to do that. So look at when you look at your schedule, when you look at your week and your month, say, how many dates can I go on in a week? How many dates can I go on in a month? And how many different dates do I want to go on in a week, in a month? So for me, it never really worked to go on like five different dates with five different people in a week. To me, that was just too much. It was too confusing. I was like, I can't keep this straight. It's, it just feels like it, I, I feel very, uh, you know, uh, r- ragged about that. I don't like it. So my rule was I will go on two dates a week with two different people. And I would not go on two dates with the same person. So in other words, if, if the same, if one guy said, well, can I see you tomorrow night? The answer is no, I'll see you next week. I liked to pace it out. That worked for me because it gave me space between dates to think about this. Think about this guy. Think about the interaction. Think about what, it, what, what I was feeling. Write about it. Journal about it. So two dates for me was enough. And I had a job back then. I had a full-time job. I, was, I had a really vibrant friendship group. This is when I was living in Los Angeles. And I, I had other things I wanted to do. So I didn't pour every last private moment into dating. That would have burned me out. The key, the key is you got to play the long game here. You got to set yourself up for success and create a strategy that is repeatable over time. What can you sustain over time? Because we are playing the long game and we are in this until we find love. I don't want you burning out after one month and then I have to start over again later. Just keep it up. Keep up a pace that feels really good for you. Right. Is it a good idea to do a background check on somebody before you meet them oh my for the gosh. first time or if you're wanting to go out with them more? And if the answer is yes, is there an easy way to do that? Okay. So I just heard this story. I just, I talked about this on my podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah, You know what? It probably is a really good idea. I never did it, but this woman was telling me how she met someone and they were really hitting it off. She met, they met on a dating site. They were hitting it off. They were texting and emailing and talking on the phone for hours and hours and hours. And it came time for them to meet a person and she looked him up on a background, did a background check on him and found out that he was like wanted by the FBI for tax fraud that he had this whole double life, that half of what he was telling her wasn't true. I mean, it was nuts. 
and and she would not have found that out had she not looked into that that she had not done a background check on him so yes it is I think it is probably a very good idea. I can tell you, I, I don't know. I don't have any resources I can share because I never did it. I mean, I didn't even really Google people, right? Like I just thought, oh, well, I'm going to trust my intuition. But I, you know, I've changed my mind about that in, in, over the last few years. I think it's not a bad idea to do. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to pretend you're the FBI and do a deep dive. But I mean, you can do a, even a cursory check just to make sure that, what this person is telling you is true and he's above board. Again, it comes back to safety first, right? You do want to be safe. You do want to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a risky position. And you have to be honest with yourself that you are meeting strangers. That's why I like to, um, and it was called back when I was doing this, back when I was on online dating, it was called staying on app, which means I didn't give my private phone number out to people because sometimes guys would say, well, let me just text you you know, what's your phone number? And I'm, and I'm like, uh-uh, we don't need to do that yet. We can communicate within the app. And most apps have an ability to text, you know, you can text back and forth within the app. So if you stay on app, you're still somewhat anonymous. And so I liked that. I mean, I, I always did that. And then I always also had another, another safety sort of tip was that I met men only in my neighborhood. In other words, they could travel to see me. And some people say, well, what if they don't want to? And I'm like, okay, well, any man worth his salt will get in his car and drive to you. That's what I say to that. So I only met in my neighborhood. I had a couple of restaurants and coffee shops right around where I live. And I, I met men there, places that I felt safe, that I felt comfortable, um, where I you know, maybe knew the wait staff. There was one place near my house in Seattle where I knew the bartender. So places where I felt safe and comfortable. And, and, you know, could, could leave at a moment's notice if I wanted to. Those are those little safety tips that I'd like to pass along. But yeah, I don't think background checks are a bad idea. I don't. I mean, I, I think, and if you feel like you want to do it, if you're getting the intuitive hit, yeah, hey, check this guy out or check this woman out, then do it. Follow your intuition, follow your gut. Exactly, exactly. And let somebody know where you're going to be and what time you're going to be there, like a friend or a sibling or somebody like that. Somebody needs to know where you are. So let's take that for a minute and then get back to the strategy of finding love, just because we need to be smart about it. If you find yourself, if, if we find ourselves in a situation where it's uncomfortable, is there an easy way or a way you would recommend to extricate ourselves from that situation without, you know, having somebody follow us home or, or something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, this is one, one of the reasons I always liked meeting people um, during the day when possible mm-hmm. or early evening, like five, six o'clock. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, if you are, and this is, this is perhaps more geared to, to women, right? This message. Um, if you are uncomfortable for any reason you leave. You say, I'm going to go. And that's all you, you don't need an explanation. You don't need to have a big reason. You know, I think that most women, and especially, um, I'm going to make a generalization here, but especially women in the middle of life, most of us may have been raised to be people pleasers. We may have been raised to be always, you know, make sure that we're not rude or hurt anyone's feelings or say the wrong thing. And therefore, we can put ourselves in very compromised situations because we don't want to speak up and we don't want to be rude. Here's the truth. 
your gut will tell you if you're in a situation that you need to leave. It's just the truth. You know, your intuition, your gut will tell you. If you are uncomfortable for any reason, you simply say, I'm going to go. Thanks. I'm going to leave. And that's it. And you get up and leave. Um, will the person follow you home? I mean, if that ever, ha- that has never happened to me, if that ever happened, then that's actually an escalated situation. That That is unsafe if someone starts physically following you and then you need to go right back into the restaurant. And I mean, I would call the police. So I, 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 am, I am a big, big proponent of safety, physical safety. And I don't think that you should ever worry about hurting someone's feelings or being rude or overreacting. If you feel scared, that's a gift right? The gift of fear, right? That is, that is a gift. That is a, a, a God-given gift to keep you safe and you need to listen to it. So one of the ways I stacked the deck in my favor uh, on, on this count was that I did often meet people during the day. I like meeting for coffee or even for lunch um, or, or take a walk in a public place or early, early evenings. The other thing is I, I had a rule that I did not stay longer than an hour on a first date. So that way, and if you are, for example, drinking alcohol, you don't want to be sitting at a bar or sitting at a restaurant, having glass after glass after glass of wine for three hours. And then all of a sudden you're, you're a little fuzzy and you're not really sure you know what's going on. You're a little disoriented. That's not a great strategy when it comes to meeting people you don't know. Never forget that this person on first meeting is a stranger. And you, it, it's a, a first meeting is just to see if there's any spark, any connection. And yes, maybe you've had many conversations with him on text message or maybe even on f- the phone, but this is a first meeting with a, with a, a virtual stranger. And you have to mind your, yourself. You have to, you have to be, you know, aware of what's going on and have your decision-making fa- faculties sharpened and be able to get up and leave at a moment's notice. So keep the first meeting short and sweet. If you are going to drink alcohol, drink very little of it. And remember that it's meant to be an assessment, an evaluation. Do we like each other? Do I like him? Am I into this person? Do I like her? And that's all. And then leave and there can always be a second date. So when you wade into the dating water slowly, I think that you really keep yourself safer that way. Good point. How do we cut to the chase? to figure out if this is somebody who shares our our values and our you know our similarities and somebody that we want to see see again is there a strategy for how to do small talk and figure this stuff out all at the same time to do it do it concurrently oh my gosh I love these questions. And this is stuff that I can talk about for hours and hours. I don't, so I'm not going to be able to answer the whole thing about small talk. I just did a podcast about small talk and I sent out a a newsletter about it. And I wanted to write like a chapter in a book about small talk because yes, there is, there are, small talk is not just small talk. Don't, don't, you don't approach a date like a job interview. Certainly not. You don't want to be off-putting and stilted and rigid. And okay, I've got 10 questions for you to answer. Get ready. But you are there to find out information and you are there to find out if, if, there, if this is a match, not just emotionally and energetically, although that's extremely important, but also do we share similar values? Is this a lifestyle match? Is this somebody that I want to introduce to my friends and my children one day? Do I like this person? I'm not trying to say all this happens on the first date, 
But small talk isn't just small talk. Small talk is sort of a window, right, into who this person is. And it's your opportunity to share who you are. So I have uh, a, a variety of strategies about small talk. But I want to I answer the other part of your question first, which is how do you find out? You know, I once got really, really great advice about how to deal with a first date and, and, and how to assess and evaluate a first date and how do I know if I want to see him again and X, Y, Z. And this was always a bit of a stumbling block for me, right? Because, you know, I don't, I, I'm not bowled over by, by men on first meeting. I mean, there's, a, you know, I'm just not. I mean, I dated for 22 years. It's like, okay, <laughs> I've seen it all, you know? So it's not like I'm meeting guys and swooning over them and, oh my gosh, I think I'm in love. So my question was always, well, how do I know if I'm going to, if I should have a second date with them? And here's the really good advice that I got. All a second date is, is you saying to yourself, yeah, that first date was nice. I'd like to, I'd like, I'd like to talk to him a little bit more. That's all it is. It's not butterflies in my stomach. Oh my gosh, I'm swooning. My heart is racing. Oh, I'm picking out my wedding gown. It's nothing like that. It's not, oh, wow, you know, I can't believe this person dropped himself into my life. It's a quieter voice. You know, if you were talking about intuition and inner wisdom, it's a quieter voice. It's a whisper. It's a, okay, okay, yeah, I think I'd like to keep going with this conversation. That was nice. That's all it needs to be. And that, and you know what? There's an argument to be made for. That's all it should be. Because usually butterflies in the stomach and a, a racing heart means you're uncomfortable or in some way, your nervous system is dysregulated. You know, who knows, are those butterflies because it's a triggering or in some way? I mean, when I first met David, we had a nice, calm, lovely conversation. I told him stories. He listened. He told me stories. I listened. We had a couple of laughs, nothing huge. And uh, at the end of the day, I thought, okay, I would see him again. Like I would, I would keep talking to this guy. That was it. That was it. People are like, did you want to kiss him right away? Oh, I didn't want, I didn't even think twice about kissing him right away. No, not at all. I just thought, okay, good. So listen to your intuition's smaller, quieter voice on those first dates and don't expect to be bowled over because you, you don't want to be bowled over. You know, you're looking for a, a, a mature, sustainable, lasting, safe, passionate love. You're not looking for whoop, butterflies in the stomach. That stuff flames out, you know? So, so I would just say, listen to that quieter voice and ask yourself, would I continue this conversation with this guy? Was there enough there that I would keep talking to him? That's all you got to ask yourself. And if the answer is yes, then yes, go on that second date go on the second date. And if the answer is no, if you're like, here's the truth, my eyes were glazing over in boredom, I never want to have to sit through that again, then don't. Listen to that part of your intuition too. And there will be lots of that. I mean, listen, it's just the truth. It's, hey, I've said it before and I've said it, I'll say it again. This is one of my favorite things to say. Dating is a numbers game. You are not going to go on one date and find your true love. It probably will not happen. I won't say you won't. I won't say there's a 100% chance it won't happen but you probably won't. So dating is a numbers game and just be in it for the long, the long haul. I agree. All right. So along those lines, when it comes to commonalities and things, I always think of the comedian Mel Brooks, 
And when he brought his his Catholic fiance and Bancroft home to meet his mother, his Jewish mother, she greeted him at the door and she said, very nice to meet you. Excuse me while I go put my head in the oven. <laughs> that's, a, that's a famous story. And so how important is it, you know, let's say you've gone on several dates. How important is it to find those commonalities in this day and age with religion, with mm. things like that? How do we discern between that's how we were raised? I have a girlfriend who married a Greek man. And when she met his mother and for the rest of, of the mother-in-law's life, she kept saying, she no Greek, she no Greek. <laughs> you know, it was like, that was her first strike against her. She no Greek. But how do we make that decision? Is there is there a way that we can pay attention to? Are we being led in spite of how we've been raised, in spite of these beliefs? How do we tell what's a belief that's really worth exploring or not? If we're feeling really led to spend time with this person. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I am of the opinion that love conquers all. I really believe that with my whole heart. I think that love is the most important thing and the only important thing in life. And I think that differences are beautiful. And I love, I personally love differences in relationships because I don't want to date someone or, or be married to someone who's the carbon copy of me. I, I like I like variety. So I I never shied away from differences myself. And I always I, I do believe that if if there's true love there, everything else pales in comparison to that. You know, for some people, uh certain ways that they were brought up, whether it's um religion or, you know, any any kind of cultural truth about their about their upbringing, that becomes very, very important. That is very, very, very important to them. And they want to date within those, the confines of that. And here's what I say to that. Be honest with yourself and be honest with everybody you're dating. If those things are deal breakers for you, there is no reason to pretend otherwise and then get yourself and the other person in a horrible situation where you're having to choose between like family and this this love of your life or, you know, cultural traditions that are important to you and this person, you know, be fair. Be fair. If if there are actual deal breakers, I can't really relate to that because I don't have any. I was raised, you know, without any organized religion, and I was just, you know, I'm I'm just a Midwestern girl. That's that's it. That's, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. You could literally be anybody on earth and date me, or you could have back in the day before I got married. Um, so I can't really relate to that personally, but I do respect that people have those boundaries and they have those truths in their lives. And if you are one of those people, be clear about it from the get-go. And 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 we talked about this before, Julie. You know, like attracts like. What you manifest is what you're going to put out there. So if you put out there to the universe, this is what I'm looking for, this and only this. Okay, great. Then that's what you're going to find. But it's with the 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 problems I think happen when people aren't really honest with themselves or others about what they really really want and what they value and what they need and are looking for. I think as long as you're upfront and honest and transparent about it, your 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 odds of succeeding are greater. Mm -hmm. I could talk to you all day. I got a few I could more talk questions. to you all day. Well, this is I so let fun. Let's get to the sex topic here. Oh my gosh. A lot of women I talk to who are clients or they call into my show, they say, 
oh my God, the thought of sleeping with somebody else just gives me the willies, especially if they've been celibate for a while, either because they've been widowed or divorced or whatever. And that whole thought is just sometimes too big of a hurdle for them to really get over. What do you say to somebody who has that fear? And is there is there a thought process that you lead them through to help them at least approach that hurdle and maybe look at it in a different light? Well, I will tell you, I'll start this answer by telling you a funny story. I remember um, when I was living in Los Angeles talking to my friend Sherry, we were talking about dating and I was, in, I was single and she was single. And I was on my dating journey and I was like, oh gosh, you know, the thought of having sex. I mean, it just feels like a lot of work. <laughs> Do I really want to go through all that, all that nakedness and oh God. And then the conversations about it. Like, can we just sit down and have a cup of coffee instead? I mean, I get it. I, I have been through those, um, those times in my life when it did feel like, it felt like, first of all, it almost felt like something from another planet. Like I hadn't had sex in so long. Like I can't even imagine doing that again. <laughs> you know, if you, if you haven't had sex in a while, it feels like you, you can never do it again. It feels like it, it's something completely foreign and otherworldly to you. I mean, really. And so I get that. I understand that. And, and there's also like a queasiness about it. Like, oh my gosh, what do I look like? Am I even still sexy? Do I want to do this? You know, how do I even do it? Like, you know, are there new things that I don't know about? I mean, there's all of it. You actually do. You go through this whole thing. Here's what I will tell you. And I want you to believe this if you're listening and this is you. I want you to believe this with your heart. When you meet the right person, it will fall into place and it can and should fall into place slowly for you if that's where you're at emotionally and sexually and physically. You, nothing says that you have to be, it's not like the movies, you have to be ripping your clothes off and they're littering the hallway and you're falling into bed. You know, I mean, that whole thing, it doesn't have to be like that. I think that we see images of romance and sexuality in film and on TV and we hear about it and read about it and it feels like it has to be this big, dramatic, melodramatic thing, event. It doesn't have to be like that. And, and, and more than often, it isn't like that. It's more a, a coming together of two souls who really love and care about each other and respect each other and are tender with each other. And if, if you really are feeling worried about it, be honest. That's the, the best advice I could ever give anybody um, when it comes to relationships. I mean, just be be open and honest with your partner and and say what you need. Hey, I need to take this really slowly. This is it's been a long time for me. You know, I haven't done this in a while. So I really need to go slow. And I will tell you that if you're with the right person, and at this point, if you're gonna have sex with this person, it should be the right person. I'm also a believer in that. I am a believer in committed monogamy because um, I just think it works better in the long run, especially for women. And, you know, this person, if he cares about you and he will, and if he loves you and respects you and he will, then he's going to want to go slowly too for your sake and for his and for the sake of the relationship. He doesn't want to torpedo the relationship by falling into bed too fast or, you know, making it this big, huge, weird event that you're uncomfortable with. So I, I really honestly believe that I, you know, it, you can, you can take it at your pace and you can also just 
be super honest and communicate that. And the man that you're talking to or the women, the woman in, in which whatever sex we're talking about here, um, if you're a man who's nervous about it, be honest. Yeah. Be honest. And guess what? If you're a man in the middle of life, chances are you might have some reality with um, erectile dysfunction. You might be taking Viagra. You know, all that stuff. is That's part of the midlife and later life dating game, people. Let me just tell you. So it is, there's nothing to be ashamed of. The lines of communication have to be open. And again, when you're with, with the right person, a person who loves and cares for you, respects you, wants the best for you, this conversation will actually be beautiful and eye-opening and it will bring you closer. It will bring you closer and it will make your sex life better in the long run. Thank you for that because that's a topic that comes up a lot with my clients with me. They're like, oh my God, I just can't. And I think it's important to remember too that we all go to fear. We're all hardwired for fear. And a survival thing. So when we have a thought of something like that or anything, just meeting somebody that we don't know, fear's going to be the first thing that comes up yeah. 100% of the time. Yeah. And then we scary. Gotta, You're going to take your clothes off in front of a stranger. I'm not a well, stranger yeah. by that point. But yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not the easiest thing. And we don't have to pretend that it is. I think that, you know, I feel like we've all been sold this idea that it's got to be so sexy and fluid and, oh, it's so easy. Let me just take this off. Like, it doesn't have to happen like that. And it's probably not going to. You don't have to pretend. You're not an actress. You don't have to pretend you're in some steamy sex scene. It's maybe better to sit down and have it be open and you communicate and maybe you laugh about it and you dissipate those fears and you dissipate that nervousness and then you have a better experience anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that goes for everything, not just with sex and not just with dating and falling in love. I think it's all aspects of our life. We have to be able to discern, is this a real fear? Is this a fake fear? And my technique that I teach is the two minute rule. You ask yourself when you're feeling fear, anything that feels bad is based in fear. Anger, jealousy, boredom, actual grief, fear itself. And you ask yourself, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? The answer is yes. Change the conditions. Get out of the road before (laughs) the truck runs you over. The answer is no. It's a fake fear based in a limiting belief. One of my best friends a few years ago lost her husband of 38 years. He had a three-year battle with cancer and lovely guy, just a great guy. And on the last couple of days of his life, Nancy said, I'm going to send you a guy to keep you company till we can be together in heaven again. And she said, yeah, 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 whatever. And he goes, no, seriously. And uh, she's calling me and she's saying, I think it's some morphine. And I said, eh, just listen to him, talk to him about it. So he brought it up again and he said, I'm going to send you a guy. And she said, well, how will I know it's him? And he said, look for the mermaid. (laughs) She said, look for the mermaid. What the heck does that mean? So she called me after that conversation. She goes, okay, now I really know it's the morphine. So fast forward, her husband passes. Few months down the line, she's on a dating app because one of her girlfriends signed her up for it. And this guy asks her to lunch. So they go to lunch. Lovely guy, you know, no big deal. Same thing. And uh, she goes on a second date. On a third date, he said to her, I'm a retired pilot. I'd like to show you my plane. And she's telling me this story. And I'm saying, is that like his Rembrandt's in the hangar? You know, what's up with that? (laughs) 
And so he takes her to the hangar, dance, and on the tail of his plane is painted a mermaid. Mermaid. Oh, my goodness. she married him a year later. Oh, that's crazy. I love that. And they are uh, leaving in next month for 60-some days in Europe. They're traveling all over the world. She's living her just blissful life. And on... I married them. I got one of those preacher certificates online, you know, where it's free to be, be ordained and then you pay 20 bucks for this certificate. Yeah. So I married them. I called it the church of what's happening now. You know, you get the online preacher certificate. And so at the wedding, this is what a gem this guy is. At the wedding, he had a necklace made for her out of gold and diamonds and it's a mermaid. And after they said their vows, he handed it to her. And he and I had arranged this ahead of time. And he handed it to her and he said, this is from both of us. Meaning him and her late husband. Oh, I just got chills. I know. So the fact of the matter is, she was scared to death to go back out onto the dating scene. And, you know, we laughed about the mermaid and, and all of that. I found a crystal mermaid figurine that's like, two feet tall or something. And that was their wedding gift. It was hand blown and it was gorgeous. But look for the signs, I say. You know, you're going to get signs, whether it's from your dying husband who's yeah. saying you he's going to send somebody to you so that you're not alone and so that you can enjoy it. If it's a sign like for me, all those different variables lined up. And I kept saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Funny story about meeting Tim to my aunt who I'd gone to visit, who was had a hotline to heaven. Before I left, she said, and I want to tell you, I had a talk with God this morning and he told me he's going to send you somebody because I was going through a divorce when I met Tim. And he said, she said, I'm going to send you somebody. It is going to happen really fast and everybody's going to think you're nuts. But if you follow your heart, you'll be doing God's will. So I got home from the airport. And I said, her name was Irene. I said, Aunt Irene, I got home. And she said, remember what I told you about what God told me? And I said, well, I met this really nice guy on the plane. And she goes, well, praise Jesus, it's him. I said, I don't know about that. But when she met him a few months later, she said, God told me you were coming and here you are. Mm. So follow the signs, follow the intuition you get. And it sounds like you had many signs and you were being led to meet David. And at this point, I believe you're on a mission from God. You're being led based on everything that you went through. You're being led to help other people, primarily women in life, find the loves of their lives in middle age. This is, this is your purpose, girl. You are, you are so good at it and you just light up. And this is part of your life's purpose that you're fulfilling. You're bringing joy to others, helping others find joy. And in the same time, you're enjoying it yourself. What yeah, do you have I, to say about all that? I, I def, yes, I, I feel, I feel that way. I mean, I was working with women who were starting businesses. I was a brand strategist and brand coach, work that I really loved, helping women tell their stories and launch their brands and build their dreams. Loved, loved it. And I honestly, I opened my eyes one day and I said, oh, you know what? I want to talk about finding love. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about now. And it was, it was just a really clear message, you know, and I changed everything. I mean, I changed 
I still have some brand clients that I work with because I love I love my clients and I want them to to build the brands of their dreams. But I decided this is my this is my passion. This is my purpose now because I can tell you it's not just about the destination of of meeting my true love match and mate and being married to David. It's about the healing transformative journey of getting here. And I, I truly believe that that is as, as valuable and beautiful as the outcome of finding love, the healing journey, the journey of self-awareness, of, of discovery, of, of understanding what I want in life and how I want to live. And, and then meeting my, my true love match and how I got here. I want this for other people. I, I, if, if you are a person who is seeking love and not everybody is maybe and then being single is great and I get it preaching to the choir. I was single for 22 years. But the truth is, is that for me, there was always a missing piece. And for the people who I'm working with now and talking to on my podcast, if that's true for you, I want to help you because I will tell you that the transformation is real. And you know, I, yeah, I do feel guided by it. My father passed away um, almost three years ago and and he and I have a better relationship now than we ever did, I think. And I talk to him frequently. And every once in a while, I'll just say, you know, dad, help me with this. Like, g- give me some clarity about this. What do you think about that? Like, what do you, what, what, where's, where would you lead me if, you know, if, if you could? And I do get a lot of downloads. When I ask those questions from him, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a teacher guide for me. He's um, an ancestor guide and he's my dad and always wanted the best for me in his way. And now I feel like I'm really getting the, all, all that communication from him. And I feel like he played a part in this because when I was engaged to David, I went to see him and, it, and my, my dad was dying. And um, uh, David and I drove across country. It was during the pandemic. So we didn't want to get on a plane. So we drove from Bellingham, Washington to Cleveland, Ohio and um, 40 hours. And I saw my dad for a few days before he passed away. And I was sitting on, on, on his bedside and he looked at my engagement ring and, I, and he said, you know, your life is really about to change now. And I said, it is, it really is. And he said, in ways you can't really imagine. And there was something about the way he said it that made me believe that he was going to be there watching, mm-hmm. you know, in ways that you can't even imagine dot, 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 but I'll be there and I'll see. And he died a few days later. And ever since then, I have definitely felt like this loving, supportive energy from him. And so this finding love journey that I'm on, I feel like when I opened my eyes that morning and had this idea, I think he played a role in that. I do. And and the thing is that I, I can tell you, it just makes me so happy too. And it makes David happy. And, you know, we're just having so much fun with it. And I, I want, I want as many people who need to hear this message to hear it. That's, that's my only goal. If it helps people, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're aligned with your purpose and, and all those pieces of the puzzle had to get in place first in order for you to get here. Yes. One last question. Why did we incarnate? Um, well, I think, like I said before, I think that we're all here to love each other. I think that we are here to understand what it means to love each other. I think that's really the journey. And I think that when we, and we, we love each other imperfectly because we're human and we're flawed. And so there, there's that part of it. But even in that imperfect loving, that's where all the beauty is. And that's where all the, I think, 
awareness and knowledge grows. I think that there's no higher purpose than love. That is my, my true and heartfelt belief. There's no higher purpose and there's nothing that brings more joy to yourself and to everyone around you. So I think that's why we're here. I think that we're here to be as fully and lovingly human as we possibly can. Great answer. If you're looking for love yourself, if you know somebody who's looking for love, whether it be a friend or a sibling or a child or uh, whomever, Nancy's your girl. Follow Nancy. Find Nancy. How can people learn more about you and your work? Well, you can go to my website, findinglove.co, and you can find me on Instagram. I'm at nancy.h.bruce. And the Finding Love podcast, you can find that on my website, findinglove.co. And I'm also on YouTube, the Finding Love podcast, and on all the various podcast platforms, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also you can email me if you have any questions, if you have a topic you'd like me to talk about on my podcast, if you have a question that you'd like to have answered, email me at hello at findinglove.co. And I would be happy to answer your questions. And I do work with some clients one-on-one. I have some select spots and that's, that's a, a really fun deep dive. And that's why I call that the dating love line. Um, and, you know, in the course of the year, in the course of uh, 2024, I'm going to be rolling out digital courses and live workshops and some digital products. So stay tuned is what I want to say. And, and let me know if you have any questions. I, I'm here for everybody. I'm here for you. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to impart all your wisdom with all of us. And uh, and I'm going to have you back because I got pages of questions we didn't even get to. Oh, my gosh. This so. was so fun, Julie. I will come back. I, whenever you want to talk more. I mean, this was really, really fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoy you. Well, right back at you, babe. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody. Sending you lots of love from Sweet Home, Alabama. Mwah! And from Mwah. Washington, too, where Nancy is. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.